There's two kinds of rugby players, boys. There's honest ones, and there's the rest. Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. I'm Cammy Black and I'm joined by Brody Smithers. Hello. Uh, Gav Harper. Hello. And we're also lucky enough to be joined by our worshipful master, the grand sword bearer himself, editor and co-founder of the blog, Rory Baldwin. Hello. We're going to have a bit of a regular feature on the blog. Any new guests, we're going to be asking what club socks they'd be wearing if the barbarians came calling. Gav, how about you? Um, I'd have on my uh, my Harrington socks, play for the, the club I've done for about 20 years. So yeah, right through from the kind of mini section, uh, sat in the club committee as well. So yeah, so I'd have my, my Harrington socks on. And Rory, do we have blog branded socks? Um, we don't actually. We could look into that. I would have to say that the socks that I would probably wear, which make me uniquely unqualified to run a site about Scottish rugby, would be probably the Inverness Royal Academy socks as the only rugby team that I've ever played for. Fair enough. And Brody, are you going Langham? I would do, yeah. Obviously, grew up down there and I've played for them, still playing for them after 20-odd years. But I would have to say I'd probably need three legs if it was possible because I'd also be wanting to wear the pink, black and white of the Pigbarians, which is the charity team I helped to run. And also Stuart's Melville, who I played on and off for for about 10 years. So, yeah, a bit of a rugby tart, I'm afraid. Do the Pigbarians do the club sock thing as well? Uh, we do, yeah. So it's one sort of pink, uh, white and black sock, and then uh, the sock of, obviously, the, the club that um, the Invitational players playing from. Uh, anyone that follows me on Twitter knows I'm hashtag back the blacks. Uh, big up the Berwick Rugby Club massive. So none of us got the call from Big Vern last week for the squad announcement. Uh, no, no, unfortunately no. He didn't need any crap four-year-old props. So yeah, it's 15 consecutive safe. Six Nations I've been overlooked for and I'm probably about to announce my retirement from international rugby anyway. But we've had the announcement. Any surprises, Brody? Um, from my point of view, not really, no. The only one I would say that I was slightly concerned about, there's a lot of talk about the props, which, you know, fair enough, we've got injuries in that department. The only one I'm surprised about is Rory Jackson because... Effectively, we've got Hoggy at fullback, obviously, but if he goes down, what are our options? I think uh, on that, Brody, when he announced the squad, Vern said that he was keen to see Hugh Jones play in a few positions, and he actually said that, that Hugh Jones can play at fullback. So that's obviously something they've looked into, and is why Jackson's not in the squad. I think the biggest surprise for me was that Cornell Dupree is in ahead of Magnus Bradbury. I thought Magnus played quite well against, against Argentina. Probably should have had more than 50 minutes and, and I'd like to see him play against Georgia. To bring Cornell in, to me, seemed a bit strange. Bradbury was probably the main main surprise and I didn't really think it at the time, but after seeing Lee Jones at the weekend, he's probably unlucky to miss out on the wing. Uh, he's been in pretty, pretty good form for Glasgow last few weeks, so... Um, I think he'll probably be first alternative if there's any injuries in, in the back three. Not that he offers any uh, full back cover. And is there anybody who we think that's it for them? I mean, Maury Lowen, Sean Lamont weren't there. 
Yeah, that's probably time for those two. There's there's a few players that have just sort of slipped off the radar as well. I mean, I, I spoke about Ryan Grant in the week. Uh, you know, he's signed for Worcester Warriors now. Hopefully that can revitalize his career because bear in mind, four years ago, that was a British Lion. I think you have to call them British and Irish Lions now. Sorry, British and Irish Lions. <laughs> Um, so I don't know, really know what's happened there. Kelly Brown, Blair Cowan, these guys have just kind of slipped away from the radar. And, uh, I think the thing with Blair Cowan, though, is he's down at London Irish still, and their championships are maybe not for Vern playing at the level he'd want. But Kelly Brown's an interesting one because he's still at Saracens. Is he still playing? Has Vern ever picked him? I don't think no, so, no. I don't, I don't think so either, no. I've got a bit of a thing about this championship business at the moment because there's a lot of Scottish players in the championship and there always has been, to be fair. Is it that bad? I mean, is it worse than Treviso or, you know, I don't know, old-time old Connor? Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think there's that much of a, a drop into the, the championship. I think, actually, going back to the loose head problem, if Allendale's not fit, Probably our, our next option is somebody like Grant Shields, who comes from the from the Championship at, at London Scottish. Yeah, Grant Shields got a lot of experience. Oh. I mean, he was at Falcons for a long time. It didn't work out from an Edinburgh. I don't know if anybody has seen him recently or knows why. He's London Scottish, isn't he? He got sent down there with you and McQuillan, is it? The Melrose guy, yeah, Melrose yeah. Gala sort of prop, who was the other sort of uh, big hope in that kind of area. Scottish rugby's gone through this kind of thing of um, being a bit in a bit of a panic about props for the past sort of eight or seven years, and we've kind of like developed these props on, but we've also sort of like not developed them as well, if you know what I mean. Gordy Reid doesn't kind of if he wasn't the answer five years ago, why is he the answer now? You know, would Alex Allen be getting a game if Dicko was fit? No, I don't think so. So it's still looking pretty short on the prop front. I think we've been saying that on the blog for a while now, haven't we? That it's a real problem area it's probably going to be top of Townsend's list when he comes in yeah I mean I, I do think the championship is the answer you've got Ed Kalman down there as well so I mean look we've named three props tonight that are playing in the championship there's also other players in other positions who are playing in the championship or even in the premiership who aren't getting a look in Jim Hamilton's still about for example I think just just on that he he's the obvious one that comes to mind Jim's obviously retired from internationals but guys to me like Byron McGuigan at Sale was involved in the, the A-team when they played England a few years ago. Ollie Atkins is Scots qualifier at Exeter. But the the kind of crux of the squad seems to be guys who are largely in and about the, the SRU system. I mean, it yeah. seems to be a thing that comes up again and again. Every year we're talking about props, a lack of props, a lack of covers, but in other areas of the team, maybe that's not so much of a worry these days. Yeah, I think behind the scrum, we're, we're looking looking pretty good. As Brody said earlier, there's maybe a doubt about sort of who's, who's Hogg's backup, but there's there's probably enough guys that could do a, a job there. Hogg is definitely the, the number one at fullback. There's still questions about who's Russell's backup, really. I don't think Hugh Jones can play standoff, but you never know what tricks he's he's got up his sleeve. And with Pete Horn injured, that's that's maybe a, a slight worry. You know, if if the games are going well and we're at Scotland are executing the game plan, the type of rugby that Vern wants to play, that's all very well. But if Safin gets picks up a, an injury or something, and then we have to we you know it's we're asking Duncan Weir to run the same sort of game, and that's maybe not the most suitable uh, game plan for him. I know when. Laidlaw went down to Gloucester, there was talk of him being able to cover at 10. I mean, does anyone know if he's done that at Gloucester or has he solely been scrum half? He uh, he put a bit at 10 
the start of the season, I think he moved there a couple of times at start after starting at nine. For me, it's it's interesting that obviously Hogg played at ten against Treviso. So whether they would look to a combination of Hogg and, and Laidlaw to cover, and that would free up a, a spot on the bench, I suppose, where you wouldn't need to have dust just Duncan Weir, uh, who obviously only plays at, at standoff. I think the concern there is, you know, if you look at the other nations and their standoffs, is a Laidlaw kind of Hogg combo really going to stand up against, you know, Johnny Sexton, Owen Farrell, these kind of players? Um, and I just, I hate my dudes, if you like. What concerns me, Hogg is, he likes coming up into the line. He's very creative. It's great. And the wings often have to drop back in. Maitland does a great job with that kind of wings on strings thing where he drops in to cover the, the high ball coming over. But you get a couple of injuries in the wing and you're looking at Tim Visser and no one wants to see Tim Visser under a high ball. I'm sorry, that's just a disaster. I mean, that's why I was surprised that Lee Jones maybe didn't get the call because Munster put him under a lot of pressure under the high ball and he seemed to cope quite well with it compared to maybe the likes of Visser who, defensively, I think there's still a lot of questions there. Yeah, against uh, Leicester, Jones was taking all the restarts as well. Yeah, I mean, if you wonder whether... Sort of Townsend comes in, maybe pushes Jones up the pecking order a little bit. Put him back to scrum half. Possibly. He, um, I think, you know, Tommy Seymour is obviously the, the kind of restarts guy, isn't he, with the with his high ball game. And he's great at that. He's great in the air. Um, we don't have an able deputy around that area, though. Um, so it'd be good to see Jones get that into his game, you know. Looking ahead to the Ireland match, we'll try and pick our starting 15 Brody, you went with the forwards because, and I quote, you're not sure what backs do. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> um, so what? the only time I ever find myself in the backs is if I'm too tired to get to a breakdown. I'll stand around with them, you know, talk about hair gel and stuff. Okay, um, number one, Gordy Reid, put a bit combustible because I think he's got a question about his temperament. Ford, reliable these days. Um, I mean, need the experience. Bagerson, no real other option at tight head. I've got um, the two greys at four and five, Statboy and the taller one, and then Ryan Wilson, simply because he's on form. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his, but he is playing very well for Glasgow, and I don't see how he can be left out. Hamish Watson, who I think had an excellent autumn, and John Barkley at eight, who is still one of the best at jackling the ball. Out of interest, is anybody like Ryan Wilson? Quite a hard player to like. He's, he's growing on me. Yeah, he's he's, on he's grown on me in the last 18 months as well. I think just, just, if he could control his temper. I don't think I have to like every rugby player to support what they're doing. I like what he does on the pitch, off the pitch. Yeah, that um, gif for the try celebration against Leicester was pretty horrendous. <laughs> Elsewhere there, you've gone with Gordy. Any particular reason for him over the others? Um, experience. You know, he's... How many caps is he on now? He must be on about 20-odd caps now. But for me, him and Welsh are pretty much interchangeable. Alan, not seen enough of him. It's the same as Ferguson in many respects. These guys just haven't done enough scrummaging. Um, and it's a tough place to learn during the Six Nations. But, you know, we are where we are with props. And you're not tempted to stick Welsh in just because of his boot? No. Uh, <laughs> fantastic YouTube moment, but, yeah. <laughs> not, no. So you're classing Welsh as a loose head or a tight head? I believe he can play both sides. Is that right? Yeah, I think he's 
debut he came in late for Chunk, didn't he? I think it was very, yeah. very last minute and put in a decent showing as well. Um, again, one of these props that we've had great hopes for and has kind of just sort of bobbed along, Maury Lowe being the prime example. I'm not a huge fan of Maury Lowe, never have been. Um, I think he's a, a good club prop, but he's not an international prop. And I have the same kind of feeling about Gordy Reid, but, you know, props mature as players at a later age, don't they? I think uh, Murray Lowe falls into that unfortunate category of being one of the very few Scottish players who've gone down to the Premiership and his game's actually almost got worse. The, the kind of jumping between tight head and loose head and just the fact that he can't get in the Exeter team obviously doesn't help him, but uh, some of his performances in November were, were pretty poor. I think it was notable in the autumn tests just how badly the scrum did when he came on. Yeah, and it's not the first time, unfortunately. And, you know, I just don't think he, he's quite got that international class of scrummaging. I think for, for a long time we made the excuse about Alistair Dickinson, that he was good about the pitch, but his scrummaging was maybe a bit lacking. That was, that was almost acceptable six, seven, eight years ago. But we're in a position now where, yes, we are struggling for props just now, but our kind of quality's improved to the extent that somebody who's just good about the pitch isn't good enough. And to be honest, Murray Lowe isn't really that either. So I think that's probably him done. And then Brody in the boiler house, you've gone for the grey boys. You mentioned yeah. stat boy. I mean, is it just this the Scott in me that is expecting him to do badly at some point? I mean, is that just built into our not... nature that we're, we're expecting somebody to have some spectacular fall from grace? I'm, I'm a hard taskmaster. Um, when it comes to second rows, I think I really admire Johnny Gray. And I think what he does is excellent. And he hasn't missed a tackle in, you know, 40 years or whatever it is. But he doesn't inspire me. I don't get excited when he's on the ball. I don't, you know, I know he does all that work that we don't need to see and stuff. And it's great. And, you know, line outs are perfect and all that kind of stuff. But I would kind of prefer... A, second row who missed a couple of tackles but made a blistering break do any locks make blistering breaks Swinton uh, Richie Gray did one once about once. seven years ago Swinton um, had a couple against Leicester yeah I just uh, yeah I don't know I'm being unfair on the boy I'm perfectly aware of that but um, and there's nothing wrong with him and he is in my team and I would put him forward for the Lions he, statistically everyone raves about him when I actually watch him on the pitch, I don't get excited. And then the back row, you've got, did you say Watson, Wilson and Barkley? So that's yes. two open sides. Barkley at eight. I mean, if Hardy was fit, would you put him ahead of Wilson? Um, no, no. I think Phil, Wilson's on form. And I think, you know, we have to go with form players. Gav, you had the backs, so who have you gone for? So I've got Lidl at nine, kind of speaks for itself. Russell at 10, he's come on, I think, leaps and bounds in, in Vern's tenure, so that's the halfbacks. Alex Dunbar at 12, Mark Bennett at 13, I think just continuity, Glasgow Partnership wins Bennett the, the 13 jersey. Hugh Jones won't have played since the Argentina game, combination of injuries and the Super Rugby season not having started. Duncan Taylor's only played a handful of minutes for Saracens, so I think that's why Bennett gets in there. The two wins, uh, Tommy Seymour, 
Sean Maitland, Maitland in, in good form for Saracens, and then Holgate fullback. And Rory, how much is Greg's boot worth compared to, say, the form of Ali Price for Glasgow? I think uh, probably, I mean, maybe not uh, not against Leicester, but going back to the Munster game against um, Glasgow, you could see that, that it was the on it was the on field leadership that they were they were missing. You get the feeling that if if Greg Laidlaw had been playing scrum half, he would have been screaming to Finn for the drop goal, and they would have made sure that they took it. And I think that's probably almost more of a reason why Greg's in ahead of the. Uh, you know, ahead of price, that we're getting to the stages where the where the, the games are are close. I think you know, if if we're in the last twenty minutes of the Ireland game, and we're losing by a ton, then price will come on, and that probably goes for all of the Six Nations games. But I think if it's close, he wants someone who actually you know who can kick the goals to close it out, and who also has the sort of the determination and, and the willpower to try and drag Scotland over the line where they failed in the past. Is that something Scotland maybe lack elsewhere on the pitch? Is is that leadership that Greg gives? Yeah, it could be. I mean, I think uh, that's probably something they're trying to, you know, they're trying to build Johnny Gray into a leader at Glasgow. And that's one thing that Vern said he's looking to create sort of autonomous leadership groups that can basically take control of the game themselves so the coaches don't have to do so much. I think at, at the moment, Greg Greg is the, the main one on that, but he's been trying to build a bit more, you know, Hogg's taking more of a leadership role. Obviously, Finn's got a lot of uh, control in the game and they're trying to, trying to, to you know, bring these players on. But there are maybe more leaders or more obvious leaders on the park. You would see Greg take a back seat or perhaps when Tyson comes in, he'll take a back seat anyway. And Brody and Rory, are you happy with Gav going for Bennett over, say, Hugh Jones? I think it's probably a sensible suggestion given the um, the injuries to, as Gav pointed out, Hugh Jones. Gav is nothing if not a sensible chap. I, I would probably have gone for... I'd maybe go for Jones. I mean, I think against Ireland, the one thing that they have, other than you know a ginormous pack and um, having just beaten the All Blacks, is that they're very familiar with uh, with our players. Um, you know, you see that every time Glasgow play Munster, they've just kind of figured a way to to shut them down. And I think Jones just offers them a little bit of something that they might not be expecting. None of them will have played him before, uh, unless maybe Stander played him in South Africa or something. But uh, I, so for me. He would probably be on the bench if he's not starting, um, but obviously the guys will reveal their bench in a moment, I'm sure. And I was going to say, in terms of the bench, is there anybody Scotland have that can come off and change games? Um, in short, think... no, not for me. So are we doing, doing benches? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, I've got so I've got Ali Price, Hugh Jones, if fit, of course, and Tim Visser as the the three on the bench. I think Jones has the ability to, to change the game. Whether Price is given time to do so is, is a different story. And I think this are sneaks in on the a bit on the kind of back end to being able to, to cover the wing with, with Maitland at fullback uh, if needs be. And yeah, just kind of familiarity with the, with the squad. Tell me something about Tim Visser, right? Malcolm Gladwell talks about 10,000 hours and how that makes you world-class and all this. The theory being you put 10,000 hours into something and you should be world-class, right? Why can Tim Visser not tackle yet? It's obviously short of 10,000 hours. Well, I don't... You see, I did some calculations about this and I reckon that's 10 years' worth of professional rugby. The other side of that, I guess, is coming... He's Dutch and I'm not sure how much practice you get as a child or a youngster growing up in Holland in terms of the tackling. So I guess 
we can maybe forgive him for coming to the game late. Yeah, I mean, he is excellent going forward. Don't get me wrong. He's big, he's, he's fast, you know, he scores tries. Some would say, what more could you ask for? But, you know, being able to catch a ball and tackle a man, I think, probably help his game. He's improved, I think, considerably since he, since he first joined Edinburgh. Very, very questionable. And now he's hangs on at times. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, a side point. I take Gav's point, though, that maybe with the game breaking up and tired legs, Vesa might make some impact from the bench. Yeah, it's possible. As, as would Price and Jones, I think, in the backs off the bench, it's quite, um, it's quite an exciting prospect. The, the 15 we've selected, uh, sorry, the 20 we've selected. No, not even 20 these days. What is it? 23. Um, my choice of forwards is not so exciting. Fraser Brown, replacement hooker. I'd like to see uh, Stuart McAnally get in there. I mean, Rambo's a great boy, um, but I just don't think he's ready quite yet. Alan Dell, I'd like to see more of him. John Welsh, who I basically see as interchangeable with Gordy Reid. Grant Gilchrist. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Grant Gilchrist. Gilchrist. Um, I think what he does is fine. But again, similar to Johnny Gray, he doesn't do anything that particularly excites me. That said, the SRU seem to love him. His teammates seem to love him. So he must be doing something right. Um, and finally, uh, Rob Harley, because he can cover the row and six and seven and whatnot. I take your point, though, Brody. It's not exactly an inspiring selection from the bench in terms of impact. I mean, is that symptomatic of maybe a lack of depth in forwards? It's possible. I think it's just injuries, you know. But I, we talked about it earlier. Would would having Marcus um, Bradbury in there instead of Rob Harley be a bit more exciting? For me, it would. Um, I would like to see Swinson in there because he's he's in better form than Gilchrist at the moment. I think just certainly from what I've seen, I haven't I didn't see the Edinburgh game at the at the weekend. I would always kind of prefer Gilchrist in the as the third the third second row, but I think the things that Swinson's done the last three or four weeks, he seems to have really developed his game and looks more like an all round player. And to be honest, he's probably pushing Richie Gray. For that, that starting spot. Is Grant Gilchrist supposed to be an enforcer? Is that what he's supposed to do? I think he's supposed to have turned into one. I think that's not certainly how he started at Edinburgh. No, it isn't. I wonder if Nathan Hines is trying to sort of turn him into that role because that seems to be what he's trying to do these days. I wonder, I wonder if there's if enough of the, the other type of second role, the kind of athletic runabout, and who really wants to make Gilchrist the, the kind of hard man. No, he started his career at standoff as well, interestingly, and then moved sort of slowly forward. Yeah, I mean, as I say, he's absolutely loved by the SRU and, and the, the coaching staff, so he must do something right within the squad. Yeah, so thanks to Dove Mencare, we've got two tickets to give away for Scotland versus Ireland at uh, BT Murrayfield on the 4th of February. Uh, to win, all you have to do is answer this very simple question. Scotland last beat Ireland at Murrayfield in 2013. But who scored all the points that day? Was it one, Rudy Jackson, two, Greg Laidlaw, or three, Dan Parks? Um, if you go onto the website and click on the Dub Men Care logo, you'll see all the terms and conditions and the contact details that we need. Um, if you could ping us an email, enter at Scottish Rugby Blog with your contact details and your answer, and you'll be entered into the draw to win the tickets. Best of luck. And turning to Ireland now, 
with the recent sweep the leg gate following the Glasgow Munster game, it's shaping up to be a pretty tasty fixture, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's you know it, it, it's great. I think uh, we've we've probably we've struggled starting off the last the last few Six Nations tournaments, um, and I think playing a team like Ireland, especially after the the last couple of Glasgow Munster games, which had a real edge to them. Uh, I think you know it's it's almost the perfect fixture, despite the fact that Ireland have basically humped us in the the last you know we've played them on the the closing day, the last two two tournaments. You know there's there's a couple of key things that, that the guys need to do, and unfortunately for all the Ireland fans, pressurising Connor Murray and Johnny Sexton are probably going to be two of them, which I guess they they have to just make sure they stay, stay the right side of the law. I mean it's some of the hits in the in the monster one that we that we looked at on the site were you know on the borderline and depending on who the referee is that you know that could they could they could be penalties um you know dangerous play whatever so it's it's going to be tricky but i think you know that's that was one of the keys to sort of to unsettle them if if ireland get settled they're i think they're very comfortable as a squad with what they're trying to do with what schmitz with the way he's he's getting to play um and if they get into a groove i don't think um the crowd are, are, you know, the crowd are, are going to be important too. That we don't want the Scottish crowd to get sort of disheartened and and go off the ball already. We need, you know, we need a strong, strong opening game to set the tone for the rest of the tournament. And probably you've got the likes of CJ Stander and Sean O'Brien in the back row for Ireland, so it's going to be a pretty tasty battle back there. Uh, it certainly will be. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sean O'Brien is there a better back row forward in the world at the moment? You know, I was reading an article with uh, Finlay Calder today in, in Scrum, and he was basically saying he's got a captain the Lions. So, you know, that, that is a tasty back road. CJ Stander, as you say. But this is a young Irish team, you know, and I think they're developing kind of almost beyond where they thought they would be. I mean, they're top four in the world now. Um, but I still think they're a little bit inconsistent. And the style that Schmidt's got them playing, this kind of fast offloading game, is a lot looser than we're used to from Ireland. And they will make mistakes. I think if our set piece is solid, we could punish those mistakes. And in terms of what you were saying earlier, Rory, I think that Munster know how to play Glasgow. Is that a risk there? I mean, most of the squad for Ireland is Leinster and Munster. Is there any unknowns amongst the Scotland squad, apart from maybe Hugh Jones, that, you know, any surprises that Vern Cotter can spring? Uh, I suppose you could play Matt Scott at twelve or something. They wouldn't be they wouldn't be expecting a super new Matt Scott version two point Nobody expects Matt Scott. No, exactly. Um, yeah, I do wonder. There are there any are there any surprises really? I mean, even the players who you know are playing in England now have played in the Pro Twelve against most of these guys. So some of the Irish players might be a surprise to you know the likes of Greg Laidlaw or um, say Matt Scott if he's in the team or Richie Gray um, because they won't have you know they won't be that. That familiar with them so yeah it could be, it could be interesting to see maybe ireland or there's a surprise package but i think we're we're in a reasonably good place and you know we're certainly we've certainly got the team to give them a game i think in the last couple of tournaments it's been you know the depth has been a problem because we've lost a few key guys to injury by that stage of the tournament you know we're going into it with a pretty much full squad apart from the, the front row problems that we've talked about and i think uh you know, the, the, that's the best time for us to, to play Ireland, who've, who've given us a, a couple of fairly hefty doings and, and try and, you know, try and prove a point, get one over on them. I think that's that's definitely fair. The uh, the fact that the game's first up makes a, a big difference for us. Um, obviously, the Irish squad, it's likely to be the, 
the two Leinster props, Murray and Sexton as half-backs, Henshaw at 12, and there'll be a fair amount of familiarity on the, their side. So if we can maybe come up with something a bit different, Vern's a kind of match-by-match preparation has been, been very, very good. So if we can come up with something a little bit different, I think we've got the, the firepower out wide to, uh, to give them a lot of problems. Brody, do you want to take a stab at the result? Not particularly, but if I had to, I would say we will lose by 10. Lose by 10, so no bonus point for us. Rory? Uh, I'm going to go for a Scotland win because this is my favourite time of year. It's It'll be two days after my birthday, so that'll be, the, that'll be my birthday present. And I'm always hopelessly optimistic for the first... 40 minutes of every Six Nations tournament so I haven't lost my optimism yet because we're not there And Gav? Yeah, I'll go a Scotland win as well I'm kind of in the same camp as Rory I always play our chances down and then build them right up as the as the tournament approaches so yeah, Scotland win but I think Ireland will, will definitely leave with a, a bonus point OK folks, every show we're going to be looking over the blog and picking out some of our favourite comments. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Scott Rugby Blog and on Facebook too. Be eligible for comment of the week, you have to leave a comment on the blog. I went with Aid this week, uh, the guy who talked about taking his lads to the Glasgow match against Leicester, how important it was, how much he impressed upon them, with the monumentous occasion that it was but had to leave five minutes early because he double booked Brody, who did you pick out mine was on the uh, monster irish late tackle article and it was uh, a poster called checo c-h-e-c-o and he simply said good to see monster and the irish are talking about glasgow and scotland they know we're a threat again so bring it on yeah i've gone for nicholas after the glasgow leicester game who said that all the Glasgow fans were way overexcited uh, and that Leicester and Rasting were having poor seasons. Uh, but that Glasgow had sent a, a warning to the, the rest of the teams in the last eight. He went on to say that the fans down south don't recognise Glasgow as a threat, but hopes that will change in the future. And my uh, my favourite comment was Sean on uh, the again on the uh, Leicester Glasgow report, just talking about uh, he said the Bennett try for me was an indication of how far Scottish players have come. For years we watched Scottish teams butcher opportunities like that. This time Lee Jones had the clarity to step back inside to make the space. Uh, must be next in line should we get any injuries to wingers, and that's just something that I'm always banging on about mostly because my dad has um, drilled it into me from uh, from a young age that you know centers wingers backs they should be they should be drawing their man and passing and you know if you've got a two-on-one overlap there's really no excuse for uh for blowing it and that was a three-on-one overlap and glasgow scored the try so that was great to see so good comments there if you want to be in for comment of the week make sure you leave a comment under one of the articles we'll have a blog post for every podcast too so if you want to comment on anything we've talked about you can leave one as well and we might pick it up um I also ask you guys to maybe have a look at a final Six Nations table, see how things might turn out. Uh, I had the spreadsheet out earlier, just trying to get my head around the bonus points thing. I've gone Ireland to win the Grand Slam, so they're on 24 points. I had England in second at 18, 
Scotland 15 and 3rd, which might be optimistic. Wales on 12, France 7, and Italy 1. And that was a losing bonus point against us. Um, anyone else have a crack? I did. I didn't do a spreadsheet with points. I just sort of uh, flung some ideas at the wall and some things stuck. Oddly enough, exactly the same as your table, except I've got England winning it with Ireland second, Scotland third, Wales fourth, France fifth, and Italy sixth. Yeah, I'm exactly the same as you. I've got Ireland winning it, and then England, Scotland, Wales, France, and Italy. I've got something pretty similar. Although looking at my notes here, I do have Scotland at the top, but then scribbled it out as the you know the hope almost got too much for me. Um, I've got uh, Ireland winning it, England England in second, I think, uh, Scotland third. And then I've picked uh, France in fourth and Wales in fifth, which is possibly, again, just wishful thinking. And then Italy last. We've all gone for Scotland third. Is that just because of the number of home games we've got this year? I think it's just classic Scottish wishful but not arrogant thinking. Yeah. I mean, you wonder about Wales as well, that they're not on great form coming into tournament and Gatlin's away with the Lions. So maybe that gives Scotland the chance to nudge up the table a little bit this year please let it be so and Italy I mean looking at them they did beat South Africa and give the All Blacks a pretty decent game albeit a pretty knackered All Blacks so are we being too harsh or you know Treviso and Zebra point to how bad things are I think in terms of a one-off result the the Springbok result has probably been becoming uh, South Africa for a terrible year looked like in that game they just wanted to be on the plane home uh, and the Italians were right up for it over a championship they might sneak one result hopefully not against us but I can't see them threatening the likes of England Ireland and hopefully Scotland have should have far too much for them Rugby blog, Fantasy Six Nations League. So yeah, we're going to have our usual Fantasy League set up on Superbrew. We're also looking at the Six Nations official one this year, although we might go with ESPN as usual, depending on if they get their set up in time. So keep an eye on the blog on how to join. What we'll be doing every week is having a look at the league, seeing who's doing well and maybe who's doing not. Usually that's me because I don't have the time and can't be bothered to change my team around every week. And speaking of Fantasy Leagues, it's time to turn our attentions to the Lions. It's the legally mandated lions chat. The legally mandated lions chat. We've heard so much about it that it makes us sick. But we've still got a chat about who Gatlin's gonna pick. It's the legally mandated lions chat, guys. Um, we're a provider of rugby content on the internet, so we're legally required to talk about who's in the run for the lions. Rory, can you remember who you picked out last time round? Because I've gone on the blog and looked this up. Oh, really? What, yeah. for the 2013 tour? 2013 tour. So this is just before the squad announcement. Can you remember the players you picked out? I can give you this. One, two, three, four, five, six. There were seven contenders you seven. picked out. Yep. That, that's remarkably generous of me. Um, I'm going to say that Hogg was, Hogg was one of them. Um, yeah. 
Richie Gray, maybe. Yep. I'm trying to remember it three years ago because who who was there? Um, you got the four that went. I'll give you the four that went. You got Ryan Grant, who came in late, admittedly. Yeah. Then you had Sean Maitland, Hogg, and Richie Gray. So you've got another three that you tipped that didn't make the tipped. tour. There's, there's bound to be a there's bound to be a back rower that was was overlooked. Kelly um, Brown, Johnny BT, and Greg Laidlaw were the three you picked Oof. out. Well, I, I wouldn't. I don't. I mean, I see a few people talking about Greg for the mid the midweek team, which I guess isn't is a is a possibility. But I mean, for me, I think we, if you're going to New Zealand, you you kind of want to pick a, a squad of players who are all challenging for the test team, and taking someone just to run the midweek team is doesn't there doesn't seem to be much much point for me to do that. But which I'm you know I'm sure Greg would do uh, do a great job, and you never know he might have a storming Six Nations and get the ball moving quickly, sharpen up his service and make half breaks every five minutes, in which case uh, wouldn't be that many arguments against him with the goal kicking and the leadership he provides. I'm probably I'm probably going to pick three or four this time, but this is before this, um, before Six Nations. So I would go obviously Hogg. This time I go Johnny Gray. And I think um, I think one of the, I think the centres are um, going to provide some. I've just got a feeling about Hugh Jones. I just think, you know, if he keeps scoring sort of crazily creative tries out of nothing. He's exactly the sort of guy that Gatlin likes, apart from maybe the fact that he's not ginormous. I think, you know, he's got Southern Hemisphere experience, he's got super rugby experience. He's a bit of an unknown. It's the sort you know, he's the sort sort of guy like like um like John Hardy that I'm sure he would love to love to take. So yeah, I, and I think Duncan Taylor was was you know, he was looking good for it until he, he missed the first half of the season two injury. So it, you know, if he comes onto a game, if he gets him gets a game. He could be interesting as well, um, but yeah, I think Hog, Hog, and Gray are definitely, um, definitely on on the plane, uh, and should both be challenging for for test spots, which is not something that we usually get to see. And Gav Verncott is saying there's at least ten Scots in contention. So is it realistic to expect more than four that we had last time round? I certainly think so. Uh, I agree with Rory there that Hog and Johnny Gray are certainly to be on the plane. Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-Laidlaw-La
Um, I do. I mean, the, the the Lions always like to take young players where they can to sort of, um, you know, uh, bleed them for future tours or whatever. But I think there's certainly, I think if you were picking a Lions 15, if you boil it down to that and say how many Scots players would be in it, Hog, I think, possibly Gray, as Rory said, but they'd be pushed all the way. The squad, definitely, as you point out, it's a long tour. It's a hard tour. Yeah, we should have more in it, but, you know, England are going really well, Ireland are going really well, and the coach is going to want to stick with Welsh players. So we could be in for a big disappointment again. I mean, it's interesting, earlier this week, Will Greenwood, who's he's probably one of the, well, the only likeable ex-England national that's kicking around, picked Alliance team that had no Welsh players in whatsoever, which seemed a bit um, far-fetched. Um, and he had a Toji alongside Johnny Gray, but I don't know, I'd rather see Alwyn Jones, and I think that's probably yeah, more realistic. Yeah, especially for a tough, tough tour in New Zealand, you'd want an enforcer. Hey, maybe Grant Gilchrist will make the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the big question, I think, going into Six Nations is, is Maro Toji that good? I mean, I watched footage of him playing against Wales last year, it was a man of the match performance, and he gave away two penalties, and was wasn't that good. I don't know, it's just the English thing of talking somebody up. The same as we do to Johnny Gray, I guess. Um, I think Mario Toji is a fantastic athlete. I think he shows a lot of promise, but as you pointed out, he is a penalty machine. Well, they must learned that from Jim Hamilton. It's very possible. Learned from the best. And um, Will Greenwood picked Hartley as captain. Um, did anyone see the Six Nations launch? Yeah, Hartley was pretty touchy with Cotter when he asked him about his disciplinary record and Hartley responded by saying, well, you asked me the same question this time last year and I'm not here to talk about me, I'm here to talk about the team, which I think was pretty telling. That must be Andrew Cotter, not Vern. Oh, yeah, Andrew Cotter, not Vern, yeah. I would like I to see a fight between Dylan Hartley and Vern Carr. Yeah, Glass, be, eyes uh, of ice. Yeah, that would be pretty uh, impressive. I know who adds back. Big Vern. Big Vern all the way. Um, I think Dylan Hartley would be a good captain. You know, he'll get in the Kiwi's face as being that he is a Kiwi himself. Um, you know, he's got a bit of the dog about him. And he's just captained an England team that's won 13 games straight. So I agree with that. To a point, there's part of me, though, that worries that if the Lions are 30 points down, 2-0 down, the series is gone, Dylan Hartley does something stupid and... The Lions lose their captain. And with somebody like Alan Wynne Jones, that's probably unlikely. With Dylan Hartley, it's all the more likely. And I think the issue about his discipline's never going to go away. I don't think you can say that Alwyn Jones is a clean player. It's maybe that he's more covert than uh, Hartley at some of the fouls. He's, an, he's, he's, he's a better cheat. Yes. He's an enforcer in the Grant Gilchrist mode. Yeah. Yes. But he's also a better cheat than Dylan Hartley. So that's it from us. That's the first episode of the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. Apologies for any sound quality issues. We'll try and iron that out in future episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Scott Rugby Blog. Find us on Facebook. The podcast is available on iTunes 
Acast and also on SoundCloud. You'll find details of how to download it at www.scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. We're hoping to do an episode after every game during the Six Nations. After that, if there's enough interest and you guys like what we're doing, we'll be going to a monthly catching up with the latest on Edinburgh and Glasgow heading into the summer tours. A big thank you to Wooden Tooth. They play the music you can hear at the very start and the end of the podcast. Do check them out. Details again on the blog about them. And also a thank you to Adam from the Hiles and Stevens podcast for all the technical advice as well. That's it for this week. We'll see you again soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. See you later. Bye. Nice, Cam. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Speak English. Come on, come on, come on, just come watch the rugby.